Hey Coconuts, today in TFC Stock Geek Out, we're going to explore a company that is a gaming giant. They have a lot of labels under them, but they have also a lot of problems. They've been going through management issues for many, many, many years. And recently, the management issues feels like it's blowing up because a lot of their distributors and their partners are, you know... <laughs> exercising their power and exercising their political abilities to pressure these guys. So this company has been around for a long time and I think the question is, will they be able to go over this management issue and continue to grow for the many years to come. So joining me today to geek out on this company, Activision, is Chris Susanto, a friend of the show. He writes at RethinkWealth.com and recently has launched and become a founder of another fund. I mean, like you guys uh, keep setting up funds, okay? But anyway, he's now the founder of Evergrow Fund. So please check out his content and yeah, maybe you will find it very useful for your investment journey. But today we're going to focus on this gaming giant, Activision Blizzard. They have many, many big labels. Call of Duty, Warcraft, Starcraft, Candy Crush Some of the biggest gaming labels out there for you But recently, there are a lot of new players coming in With crazy labels growing at crazy speed um, The question is, can they come back to growth? Can they organise themselves and move beyond this whole management issues? All these scandals, you know, corporate issues, right? So they have been embroiled in this for a long time And we decided to talk a little bit about the company from this angle Because you've asked for it, right? So if you have any Anything you want to ask, come to our Telegram group. For your reference sake, this episode was recorded on the 8th of December 2021. It does not serve as any form of advice or recommendations. It's solely for entertainment and education purposes only. Thank you for loving what we do and empowering us financially to do more for you. So stay tuned. Let's geek out. So welcome back on the show, Chris. Super happy to have you again. <laughs> Super happy to be here as well, Reggie. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Always happy to chat with uh, fellow investing enthusiasts, right? Yes, so, yes. So uh, we don't find that a lot as well yes. here in Indonesia. Yes, yes, yes. Great, great, great. And and definitely I wanted to get you on because one of our community members, they were like, oh, can you talk a little bit about Activision? And I know in our old discussion, I know you own Activision. Okay, but today I found out that you sold some of, of your position. So I think there's a lot to discuss here, right? In this process together, right? So um, definitely. yeah, definitely the whole thought process, how did it happen? Uh, maybe you can kick us off with like, what does Activision do? Because I think the whole video gaming space has changed a lot. And you know, where are they at? You know, how should we look at this space? So Activision is based in America, right? So it's basically a video game holding company uh, which is based in California and it was founded actually in uh, July 2008 through the merger of Activision and Vivendi Games so it's called Activision Blizzard so as of 2018 in March they are already the largest game company right in uh, America and Europe in terms of uh, revenue and market cap so video games is a very interesting category of stocks of companies because they tend to be cyclical at times especially like during game launches and during game launches the revenue tend to be higher and things like that so uh, activision has uh, historically been growing quite fast it generates its revenue through its ip intellectual property mm. so in general they have quite a few different category of business 
so of course the activision and then they have the king digital entertainment as well which they bought some time ago and of course blizzard right based on the latest results if i'm not wrong activision and king digital actually contributes uh, most of the revenue and income so bobby kotick uh the ceo wait wait before before we talk about the ceo which is very colorful individual <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you're saying like they make money from their ip right so how do they make money from their ip can you give us a little bit of color well basically uh activision is like game creator right so they basically create games it's like movies. It's like Netflix creates Squid Game and they own the IP for Squid Games. So Activision is the owner of World of Warcraft, Diablo, so on and so forth. So um, through the creation of their characters and their games, they are able to also like license it out to maybe China uh, so that they can also use the characters. Based on that, they get a percentage of royalty as well. So that's actually their business, right? Creating franchises and creating games that they hope they will take off and then they will create many versions of it. So some of the more well-known video game franchises that are owned by them includes uh, Call of Duty Mm. and of course World of Warcraft. So what they basically do is that they just need to create new IPs and new games like Overwatch, Games like that are owned by them. And then they try to like tweak it. Or perhaps how do they able to get microtransactions mm. in the games. Mm. So right now, what's happening is that there are a lot of free games out there. There's actually, uh, they make the money through the micro purchases in the games for like items and things like that. Mm. So Activision is basically going along that line also. And King Digital is in fact, the business line that has been doing that quite well. So they want to try to adapt some of the business processes from King Digital into Activision. Okay, okay. So so am I hearing a change in business model? Because I think in the past, when they built these kind of games, then, you know, I mean, we all bought games before, right? You buy through a distributor mm-hmm. and then they get a cut from every sale of the distribution, you know, and it's a one-off mm-hmm. transaction, right? So that's like a $50, $60 for for. I think they go, they grade the games also, like class A games, you know, so 60, 70 mm. bucks. But now you're seeing the model change in terms of uh, moving towards in-game microtransactions. So it's like free game, but then they transact mm. internally. Is that what I'm hearing? So I don't think generally that's the model. So basically they have about six core franchises that has crossed over $1 billion in revenue. So they are World of Warcraft, Call of Duty, Diablo, Starcraft, Overwatch, and Hearthstone. Mm. And from my knowledge, all of these games, you have to purchase it first, right? So you have to purchase it maybe like 40 bucks or like 50 bucks or like 60 bucks. Then they make money also through delivering more content uh, via sequels, expansion packs, downloadable contents, DLC, and also toys. Mm. So they leverage all on the IPs. Mm. So from what I know, is that okay so you pay an upfront fee to get the games in and then they can upsell you the expansion the dlc and then inside the games i think you can also like purchase some other items Mm. if i'm not wrong like in world of warcraft right you can maybe pay to get some rare items or to get more money or Mm. things like Mm. that Mm. 
I'm personally not a gamer, but I have played quite a few of their games, uh, which is World of Warcraft and StarCraft. StarCraft! Yeah. StarCraft is the most balanced strategic game of its genre. Yeah, you're, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. We, I love StarCraft. Yeah, we grew up with StarCraft. StarCraft. Even the Warcraft standard game is not as good. I think I think StarCraft yeah. is, is in a league of its own. StarCraft is fun. Yes, yeah, yes, StarCraft yes. is fun. But a lot of... Yeah. I mean, one question here is a lot of the games you were saying like that they own, whether is it Call of Duty, Overwatch, you know, um, a, a lot of these games, uh, including StarCraft and Warcraft W, they're all very laptop-heavy, right? For a very long time, or, or at least computer-heavy, right? So you need a physical yep. computer. And that was mm. the era that they thrived in. You know, but today a lot of the yeah. kind of gaming has changed, right? So, yeah, so, yeah. so it's very mobile first and it's no longer like, like only very serious gamers will buy a gaming rig, right? Uh, so mm. the big money is probably not there anymore. It's with the casual gamers, right? So uh, yeah. h- how are you seeing this shift for Blizzard, for Activision? Uh, okay, so first of all, I think the market opportunity for gaming is expanding and is expected to grow in the years to come because games are not just for kids or teenagers, like adults like us also sometimes, once in a while, we'll buy some games and we'll play some games. I know, and I think, I think as we get older, we become more okay to spend on the game. It's like, oh, yeah. 50 bucks, 60 bucks, I, okay, yeah. la, just, just, okay, yeah, okay, just, okay, just okay, pay la. for it. La, yeah. right, right. Go for a drink with friends already, how much already? Right? I just want to get something exactly. going, right? So, yeah, I hear you, I hear you. Yeah. So, I think uh, they are trying to move uh, more into that direction also, seeing how the customer behave and then they make the games that adapt to the customer behavior, right? But, of course, there are some games that it's very hard to put it into mobile version. <laughs> So, w, right? Right. <laughs> Until you bring, right? Because I've been, I've, I've also been following this company for a while, so I know the whole problem with like W Immortal, you know, <laughs> where they wanted to do mobile only, and then their own OG W community went crazy, right? They were like flagging them, mm. and, and 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 all of that. So yeah, that, that's why you say W. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember this thing. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, I think their business unit, the King Digital, mm. if I'm wrong, is a Candy Crush, yes, right? Yes, yes. So that is mobile, mm. mobile first, and it's making lots of money as well. So I think there are still some games where their diehard fans find it difficult to accept if you switch to a mobile only mm. because just the experience is not there. So I think there's a market for both, and I don't think it's going to be easy to execute it very well. Mm. Uh, especially with like competitions, but they definitely have benefited a lot from COVID nineteen over the last two years. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I yeah. think they they, until, they made a lot of free cash flow. Yeah, uh, until what happened recently. Like. Yes, and so <laughs> and that that is the that is yeah. the core of the discussion today that we're, we're going to expand into, right? But I think before we go there, uh, I just want to you know kind of sum up what you said that uh, actually Activision is one of the broadest game developer out there today, or game distributor, right? They don't just distribute, they develop, you know, they merchandise, they license a lot of things. So if you want to talk about all sorts of models out there for different game companies, actually Activision has more or less all of it, right? So in their different, different franchise and different games that they own, um, they use different models to monetize the games. I think that's kind of where we are, right? Am, am I hearing you right? 
Yes, yes, and it took them a decades mm. to build up the intellectual property, and their intellectual property is really the source of their competitive advantage, right? Mm. So in investment, we always want to think about, okay, what makes the company different, and what is their age, and what's their competitive advantage, and not only that, we also want to ask what's the durability of their competitive mm. advantage, mm. because even though if a company looks strong right now, but if it's not durable, then it's just gonna be like flash in a pan, right? Yeah. And it's not gonna be sustainable. Yeah. So I think Activision is also a company that's already in the stage of scaling. So when we look at company, we might also want to think about is this company still in the stage of experimentation where they are still like trying new things, you know, losing money. Mm-hmm. Or is it already in the stage of product market fit, right? Where they like sort of know like what kind of product already fit the market? Mm. Or are they already in the scale mode? Mm. So Activision mm. is obviously a company that's already in the scale mode because it's already very big. And it has um, six games that gross over $1 billion in revenue. That's huge, right? Mm. But uh, of course, at the same time, they're still trying to do some experimentation for these games on how to adapt it for the digital first economy or for the Mobile. way like consumer yeah. behavior changes. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Can, can, can you give me a little bit of color on, on this idea of durability? Because a lot of these games that they own, right, the IP is very old already. I'm sure you know, huh? Blizzard, Overwatch, Call of Duty. My goodness, yep. some of these games we play when we were kids, right? Look, look at where we <laughs> are now. All right, so, so the IP has been very old. The games have been around for a very long time. And you even mm. hear a lot of discussion on the ground within the community to say that, oh, you know, some of these games, you know, too monetized. Uh, it's not as good. The experience is, is diminishing. I mean, it's very normal. Even when we run shows, sometimes the show eventually fade out you know it's no longer as interesting mm. you know it's not the thing anymore right so um, how, how will yeah. you rate some of the durability of the games especially when you know Shopee has like <laughs> you know Free Fire <laughs> and uh, yeah and I mean there's there are all these other game developers right I mean you know you, I, I'm sure amongst the big three they all have similar games you know uh, as competitive mm. repertoire right with EA and uh, Take yeah. 2 yeah, so I think uh, how you want to look at the durability for any company, you want to ask, is it a predictable business, right? And can you predict it over 5, 10 or 15 years? And that actually links a lot with uh, consumer appeal. As you mentioned just now, the games we play when we were kids and then now they still have that game and then probably like for example, Pokemon, right? Mm. Uh, maybe last time Pokemon Red, Blue. Yes, yes. Now yes. already changed to what? Shining Diamond. <laughs> they are getting more creative with names. But you notice something, uh, Reggie. Even though it's a game that has been around for so long, if they just remake it, uh, people still buy. You know? mm. People still buy and people are still quite crazy about, about this game. So you notice that games tend to have quite a strong durability, especially if they are hit. Mm. So if they are already a hit, then I think if they just create an expansion or they create a like a second version, third version, or maybe they remake, you know Final Fantasy? <laughs> they often remake it. Right? Final Fantasy remake. And yet people still buy. Mm-hmm. Why? Because uh, of the familiarity and of the fact that it has that consumer appeal. So it's a little bit like movies, right? If the movie is already a hit, then the studio do not mind investing for the sequel. Yeah. Because they know that it's already a hit. Yeah. 
So when we talk about durability, think on the aspect of how strong is the consumer appeal and what is the consumer behavior like. Mm. So I think that will give us a clue into the future. Oh. Uh, but again, there may be value destruction, right? Mm. Regards to the management. So I, yeah, which we, is the main yeah. which is the main discussion, right? Like <laughs> I mean that, it's been a main discussion yeah. for a few months, you know, on the management issue. Yeah. So how would you rate the management? Like, like when you first invested in, how were you looking at the management? And at this point in time, like what is the situation like for you? Yeah, so when I invested in it early last year, the management is good, right? Because the CEO, based on what we know, they have been able to execute very, very well. The CEO has been around for a long, long time. And really, investing is always uh, in hindsight, right? So in hindsight, is a bias. We can only make decisions based on what we think we know now and hopefully what we think is as real to reality as we can and not just uh, our hope or our perception. So at the time, I think the management has executed very well and COVID gave a good runway into the company to do even better because people are staying at home and playing games. And in fact, yes, their share price has risen very well over the past two years until uh, the November 16th story, right? In the Wall Street Journal, that the CEO actually uh, protected the executive Mm. in question from being fired or punished. So there has been a huge uh, implication in this ESG scandal. So I think this is like the part where we must think about the management on uh, whether, how honest are they and how capable are they? Mm. Because it's not enough just to be capable, right? In this day and age, you have to have integrity and you have to be honest. So I think that has received a lot of backlash and in fact, it becomes uh, material, right? Because companies like Microsoft are also like re-evaluating their partnership. Yes. So these are all like, uh, not just like something that, oh, you know, it's not ethical or what. It's like going to hit on their bottom line and returns already. Yes. So, I mean, honestly, this is not the first time. <laughs> Activision has been going through this uh, whole like management scandal for many many rounds right uh, over the years and I would say like exactly like what you said in a sense of what is different this time the difference this time is their distributors and their partners like Microsoft is questioning the partnership with them previously they don't care right previously it's like it's an internal thing you know you know but now the pressure has reached to a level where even some of these big distributors not some of these the one of the biggest distributor xbox you know which is owned by microsoft say that you know maybe we want to Mm -hmm. revisit this thing right so so how would you then rate the management today i mean honestly bob is an old guy in the company right uh but he's been around for so yep. long and the problems have been around for so long. So how yeah, is it? He's been around yeah, so, so how would you how how he would been, you see this? He's been around for so long and he have the board backing also, right? So until now. Uh, until recently. Yeah, and I think the best path forward is really a change of CEO, mm. which is the cleanest path forward, right? Mm. If you think about it. So, you know, change of CEO, change of new management from the top, and it also uh, sends a quick message that okay, uh, let's change the culture. But if Bob try to hang on, then there may be more value destruction, right? Mm. Because the partners may reevaluate the relationship. And yeah, I mean, like ESG is something to think about, especially if 
it relates to the bottom line and the revenue for the company. So a couple of months ago, I wrote an article about ESG. So it's definitely coming more into focus, especially with how people's behavior changes over time. Because right now, it seems like people's behavior are really changing towards more, you know, uh, less oil, more electricity, and uh, they basically take that more into account already. And especially if it relates to the fundamental of the company, it's something that they really need to think about carefully. And I think if the CEO is out and there's a new CEO, the share price may improve because the sentiment is no longer like, you know, uh, what will Bobby do and how will it change? Mm. But if Bobby basically just changed the CEO, then it's much cleaner. Mm. But even so, I think it will take some time for them to, you know, hire new talents and like get new like manpower because... Again, this ESG issue is not just bad reputation for the company from the outside. From the inside, people are also very unhappy. Mm. There are like talents leaving the company and they have to push the release of some of their well-known games as well. Mm. The best way is to replace the CEO. Okay, I hear you on CEO replacement. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like, what kind of CEO are we looking at? You know, is, is there some people that they are talking about that, that you'd be interested in? Or is this something that you are thinking of but actually they're not talking about it yet. Well, who we hope to be as CEO is someone who has had a good track record mm. of executing well, right? Because the best way to predict the future is to see the past of the person. If the person has done a great job at executing well, then more likely he will do a great job at executing. Would you, would you want a, for, for, okay, I mean, specifically for Activision, would you want an internal promotion or would you want an external individual coming in? Important, right? Important question right? For, for, for this. Yeah, probably if you look at it that way, external would be safer, right? Mm. <laughs> because if like internal, if it's the good friend of Bob, there may be more questions if you think about it. But whoever it is, they have to show with clear actions and hopefully they are able to act like an owner with integrity and good execution. So I think that's what's important. But again, we really won't know who are they going to replace and if Bobby is going to step down or not. Mm. But looks like he has to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, I mean, uh, he's been yeah. he, he's been cornered so badly now, right? Previously, I mean, for all of you listening, um, Activision, is not, it's not the first time they're facing this, but previously it was a lot of internal issue. Now we've got external pressure, right? So with external pressure yeah. from Xbox, Nintendo... I think it's very hard for him to stay around. So this is uh, inevitable. But uh, from what I'm hearing from you, essentially what you're saying is the core of the business is still very strong. It's just really the management. You know, but don't you find that this kind of business is extremely people-driven? You know, like if the creators leave, the narrators leave, you know, the, the creative team go, you know, um, mm. that doesn't it affect the fundamental of the business? Or, you know, do you think that's not doesn't because it's so big already? Uh, definitely. Mm. I think they may have to incur higher costs of attracting good talents uh, to the company, especially with the bad press that they've been having. So although their franchises, World of Warcraft, Call of Duty, Starcraft, Overwatch is already very famous and people knows the brand, but Again, in this day and age, they have strong competitors, right? Like Take-Two, EA, mm. and... Even Shopee. It's all... <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> mm. 
and it's all about execution mm. if you think about it so even though they have good brand but if the sequel is not good i think people will complain about it online and basically sales will get hit mm. it's it's quite a cutthroat culture if you think mm. about it I mean, yeah. it's not unique to this company, right? It's very common within the gaming business. Yeah, and the people factor, if you think about any investment, that's why they call investing is both art and science, mm. right? It's a combination of art and science. Mm. I think the art part is the qualitative factor that we cannot quantify, the management that we cannot really quantify. Mm. We have to see what they have done and uh, how we think and how we feel about them. So I think that's the X factor with regards to many businesses, the management. So they have to hire good talents mm-hmm. and they have to get this past them. And the best way to do that, I think, is to change the CEO. Okay, okay, interesting. Let's see if they actually change the CEO and if the share price reflect, yep. right? Like, I mean, Dossie stepped down so <laughs> and the share price moved along with him. So yeah, we, we shall see. Yeah. We shall see how this company move along. But I do um, share your sentiment about the the core of the franchises. They have very, very big franchises. But I also do question their future in the sense of the relevance of the franchises. Yeah. You know, because um, with mobile first, with the new distribution, new social media platform, uh, and a different way of consuming, you know, like attention and all that. Yeah. Netflix coming into gaming, right? So all that is a thing, right? But um, I mean, those are risk factors that we can talk about slightly later. Uh, but maybe we can expand a little bit on some of the modes. Like when you look at this business, what, what do you think are some of the, the mm. core modes about Activision? You know, as compared to the other guys and their new competitors. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think their core mode still remains their IPs. The six main IPs, Overwatch, StarCraft, Hearthstone, Diablo, Call of Duty, and World of Warcraft. And they are still like pretty much quite specialized in console and PC video game market. But their size and the depth of their franchise allows them to really uh, invest more and bet bigger with regards to new titles, also for new franchises, right? So they are basically able to develop larger games, more high quality games as compared to the smaller and mid-sized players because it's not cheap to develop these games. And basically, with already having so many franchises that are generating cash flows, they are able to use the cash flows from this existing franchise to develop new franchises and new titles. So that is their mode if you think about it. That's the source of their mood. And I think it's pretty strong, but of course, it's not, say, uh, impenetrable, mm. right? Because uh, yeah. there are lots of like competitors. Really, the competitors come from all aspects, if you think about it. Because all these companies are doing is really, they are fighting for one commodity, Your attention. which is our time yes. and our attention. Yes. Yeah. So that's why like Netflix say, uh, you know, Disney Plus is not really uh, like just the competitors, right? Mm-hmm. It's also sleep, it's also yes, <laughs> yes, yes. other activities during the day. Mm-hmm. So I think Activision has a pretty strong mode with regards to its current franchises. But they have to maintain that through having strong talents inside the team to really make high quality games that can attract and retain existing fans and also new fans yes. and also try to go to the direction of where the new behavior are actually uh, happening mm. which is in mobile yeah 
Yes. Which is not easy. Not easy, not yeah. easy. I mean, they've been trying, right? Call of Duty, Overwatch, you know, they've all been trying to go mobile, right? But the, the good thing is they have Kings. So Kings already is a mobile division. It helps them to to get to, right? So actually Kings, yeah. Candy Crush is one of the, I think it's their biggest grossing game so far. You know, although they have all the billion dollar oh, games, like Candy Crush is the biggest, right? Oh, who is still playing? You know, but I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it's working, right? But I do think their recent sell down is a lot more than just management. Right? It's also the whole mm. potential of increase in interest rates in the environment. There's also the whole part about post-pandemic, right? Because like you said, they benefited a lot, you know, in this pandemic period, right? Because essentially their cost of goods stayed more or less the same. They never expanded the team, but the top line kept going, right? Because it is a digital product, you mm. can keep selling. Right. So if you look at their financial statements, the margins, you know, went up so much. You know, uh, re- relative yeah. to pre-COVID times, right? So, so as margins go up, you know, <laughs> from about like from here, it's about sixty-six percent gross margin, and you know, uh, at twenty twenty is about seventy-two percent gross margin now. So, as margins go up and sales go up, they actually doubled their cash and cash equivalent. You know, on their balance sheet, it's quite crazy, lah. Pre-pandemic, these guys had like what four point something billion dollar in cash. Post-pandemic, they have nine point something billion dollar in cash. Right, so, <laughs> but that is essentially the the benefit that they had, okay, uh, for like a better way to put it, right? So they they benefited from this situation. But going forward, you know, would you price in a slower growth, or would you even price in a retraction of their top line? Mm. You know, because pandemic over, ma, people are gonna go out, ma. You you know, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I would say. In the long term, I think there's still the tailwind of gaming, right? Mm. Because there's still the tailwind of digital and also gaming. So I think gaming is going to grow for a very long time. But if we are able to successfully reopen in the next one to two years, I would say common sense tells us that there should be some hit mm. because people yeah. will uh, go out more often and people will travel more often. Mm. Especially if the Omicron virus turn out to be mild, yes, uh, but more contagious, yes, which so is if, okay, which is okay, mm-hmm. which is great. Yes, in fact, if great. you think yes. about it, so you get it to more people and crowd out the Delta virus and make sure that the Omicron virus is actually much more mild than Delta. Mm-hmm. So we are going to have to see what happens. But if that's the case, then I think the reopening theme is going to stick. And that may not be so good for companies that benefited from the lockdown, right? Like Activision and Zoom. I think a few days ago, DocuSign dropped 40% in a day. Wow. So okay. Shout out to DocuSign. <laughs> okay, okay. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. I hear you on that. Okay, sure. I have something to ask. Um, you know, previously they had a Warcraft movie. Right, so they, so they part oh, yeah. yeah they partnered with Paramount Studios to do a Warcraft movie, and I was so excited because I'm like, yeah, this is the future, right? Where games yeah. become an IP and it goes into the big screen, yeah. no longer uh, like from a yeah. book or something, right? Uh, but yeah. like, so how would you rate a move like that, and how would you see like, oh, after that, like, no more already? There's no sequel, you know, it's just kind of stuck yeah. there, right? So so how would you see this? Do you watch the War of Warcraft movie? You mean the the one, the one. I, I watched yeah, it. Yeah. I watched it. I, I thought it was very good actually. Same. Yeah, same here. I thought it was very I, good. I thought that it was very, very good. Mm. And I think it's one of my favorite movies. I enjoyed it. Uh but there's no sequel. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I was like I was like, this could be a Marvel universe. 
you know like like this whole yeah. thing could be a Marvel universe and and you know, Warcraft could just milk this and you know and it's gonna be so powerful yeah, but yeah. but there's nothing right is there any any yeah, thoughts exactly. on that or do you hear anything about it like what what's going on uh, yeah probably the two world of movies and gaming has not intertwined that much yet if you think about it Marvel don't have gaming mm. and I'm not sure if Marvel have gaming if that's gonna be as popular as the movie mm-hmm. so I personally don't think so right based on just like a quick thought. So I I don't think it's going to be a major catalyst or anything. I think the game specialists like Activision Blizzard should just stick with games. Mm-hmm. And the movie specialists like Netflix or Marvel or Disney will likely still make most of their money from movie because that's their specialty. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to go into another person's specialty just like that and really hit a home run. If you look at Match Group, the owner of Tinder, Facebook has Facebook dating, but I don't think it really took off yeah. and I don't think it's a competitor to match in any way. Mm-hmm. So I think the company that specialize in a certain thing, they do have a certain advantage because they're focusing so much on it that it's very hard for other companies that are not specialized in that to compete. And as a result of this specialization, they're able to create a higher quality product that are able to uh, attract and retain users and consumers and i think that's what makes the difference cool cool over the long yeah time. i agree i but okay i, I use facebook marketplace lah. i think that's a little bit better but facebook at this point in time is like a mishmash of every whatever feature out there okay so i, I think in closing maybe you can give us a little bit of a, a risk factors of um, activision and how would you see some of these recent sell downs you know how should we look at it um, give, give us some color and perspective on that so I think the risk factor is management. <laughs> so the culture and the management is the biggest risk. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if the CEO is going to change. And we don't know if it's changing. The new CEO is, is going to be better. We don't know that as of now. But what do we know is that the gaming tailwind is there. Kids, teenagers, adults, uh, they love to play games. In fact, in China, they restrict. Yeah. <laughs> they restrict gaming to kids. So that definitely one of the risk factor as well for Activision. Because if I'm not wrong, they do have some partnership in China. But the biggest risk factor right now, I would say, is the management. They have really strong franchises, six games that cross over $1 billion in revenue. Mm. But the management can destroy that if they do not fix the culture. Yeah, okay. That's cool, that's cool. And yes, I, I want to add that they are one of the only guys that have a lot of their own IPs. There are many other companies, like their competitors. Okay, like specifically EA, okay? EA, one of their biggest model is licensing sports brands, right? So they don't own that mm. license, right? They are just merely building the game and then selling it, right? So it's a very different yeah, model altogether. And I... I'm a little bit sad that the movie thing didn't play out and I hope that, you know, with the new management, which I think it will happen you know, at this point in time, I don't think they can drag any longer. So with the new management, I hope them, I hope to see that, you know, they can work, even if they don't do on their own, you know, work with other people to build out the movie universe. I think it's a flywheel, right? With, with more people consuming your IP, they will come to play your game and then, you know, it, it grows, 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 right? So, and of course, the, the whole esports side of things, which uh, we didn't really talk about today, but esports has you know, it's growing and uh, the underlying games are just, you know, pri- the prices get bigger, more people play the game and then more expert teams come in and then the fly will keep growing, keep growing. Yeah, so I, like so that, yeah. I think that's kind of where it is. Okay, uh, any last words to add for today? Uh, No, I think we covered uh, quite a bit and I'm happy to be able to share it with you guys. 
Okay, thank you. Thank you, Chris. Um, take care. Uh, you know, right. uh, let's chat again. See ya, guys. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. yeah, bye. Hey Coconut, so I hope you learned something useful today and definitely recognize that investing is a personal decision. We're not giving you any recommendations here, but I'm always happy to geek out with you about different interesting companies and trends for the future. This series has a lot more depth and terms, so if you have any questions for us, do join our community telegram group or DM us on our socials. Link is in the description. If you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. And to stay tuned with what is happening in the markets and in the TFC network, do sign up for our weekly newsletter at thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, I hope you have a great day ahead and may you improve to become a confident, insightful and disciplined investor, ultimately creating the life you love while managing your finances well. See ya next week.